Good morning. Our scripture this morning will be uh, from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 40. We will read verses 27 through 31. Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Businesses, companies, organizations like taking surveys. They like finding out what we think about things. And some interesting data came up recently about how Americans feel about waiting. Rather than just throwing out some documents and some data, let's maybe have a little fun with it this morning. Question one, what is the maximum amount of time that Americans are willing to wait in a physical line for an item or a service they want? And I know what you're already thinking. Depends on what I'm waiting for. But in average, the, I'll give you up to five minutes, six to 10 minutes, 11 to 15 minutes, 16 to 30 minutes. The survey uh, that I, I read said that 33% said they would wait 11 to 15 minutes, 26% 6 to 10 minutes, 21% said they'd actually wait 16 to 30 minutes. Who's more patient, older or younger people? Surveys have found older people to be less patient than younger people. Apparently, we don't mellow with age. If standing in line, who's more uh, willing to wait before losing patience, men or women? Yeah, that's an easy one. On the average, women are willing to wait in line 18 minutes, while men are willing to wait 15 minutes, which means, ladies, we'll start this car and get the air conditioning going. What's the most likely place for people to lose patience while waiting in a line? A restaurant? A retail store? A pharmacy? The line to the bathroom at Six Flags or sporting event or concert? Yeah, those polled, the top three are retail store, restaurant, and pharmacy in that order. 
And the survey tells us exactly what we already know. We don't like to wait. In fact, we live in a have-to-have-it-now culture. But if you think we have it hard waiting in line for a few minutes, then try waiting 50 years to return home. This was the issue facing the Israelites in the days of the prophet Isaiah. The people of Israel were taken out of their homeland and into Babylonian captivity around 597 B.C. They were freed around 538 B.C. And these long years of imprisonment and foreign rule had so poisoned their spirits and they filled them with self-pity that they accused God of ignoring them in their troubles. Verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by God. The Israelites were convinced God had simply written them off. But Isaiah counters. He counters counters their accusation with a message from God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of earth. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to those who are weak. He gives strength to those who are powerless. Even the young, they grow faint and weary and get exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, if you read the book of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, uh, you'll notice Isaiah's prophetic judgment on Israel. It's the recounting of the message of God that if his people, Israel, would not repent and change their ways, judgment is coming. And it did. Babylon overtakes them and then begins forcibly deporting the Israelites out of their homeland. But in chapter 40, the tone of Isaiah's message changes. Isaiah begins speaking a message of comfort to Israel. And they'd been displaced so long that they they felt God had forgotten them, and Isaiah reminds them, you haven't been forgotten. God is not like humans. God doesn't forget. God remembers. God doesn't grow tired. No problems are hidden from God, and there is nothing too much for God to handle. God not only has power, God gives power. Isaiah's message to the Israelites continues to ring true even today. And when it feels that God is uh, silent or we think that we're not showing up on God's spiritual radar, we must begin by reaffirming God does know about us. Gives strength to all who are weak. And especially, especially to those who wait for him. God is our sustainer as we wait for his help and guidance. Now I think it's important to understand, what does it mean to wait for the Lord? 
Well, that word wake comes from a Hebrew word, kavwa, which means to wind or twist. It's the root word that the Hebrews got for their word rope. To wait for the Lord meant to let God become your lifeline, your cord of safety, escape. But the word also describes an attitude that one is to have while waiting for the Lord. It's to look to the future with confidence. When we hear that word, wait, we think of passive, inactive mode, like standing in a line, waiting our turn. In our waiting, God wants us to wait actively. Because there's something to be learned, something to be experienced, and it's valuable for the future. It's valuable for maybe even understanding the past. Waiting is not something to do passively until we get what we want. Waiting is an active process of becoming what God wants us to be. If you've ever watched a baseball game, You'll notice that the infield and the outfield do something almost every pitch. They're watching the pitcher, he gets his signal, and when he goes into his windup, they all get into position. The infielders crouch down low close to the infield. They're on the balls of their feet and they're thinking in their mind, you hit the ball to me, I'm gonna catch it, I'm gonna stop it, I'm gonna knock it down, I'm gonna throw you out. That's active waiting process. When I served as minister to students um, at a church in Shreveport, Louisiana, I had the good fortune of working with a guy by the name of Randy Edwards. Randy was our minister of music, and his greatest strength, even to this day, is leading and developing youth choirs. And it was always interesting to watch those group of teenagers at the beginning of a new year. Usually when the school year started up, that was the new year for the choir. Randy would step to the podium and raise his hands, and he would expect every single one of them to come to the edge of the seat. It was always interesting to see who was new, because they didn't know what was going on. They kind of looked around like, oh, I think I should be doing something. Or even the ones who had even been in it, they were just out of the routine. They had to be reminded. When Randy steps up and he looks at them, first move is right to the edge of their seat. And it was always interesting to watch that entire year of them being in worship and singing concerts until finally they'd go on their tour in the summer. And when he would step up and he would raise his hand in military position, precision, they would get to the edge of their seat before he'd tell them to stand up. They'd come to learn that was the position to pay attention, to know what he wanted to get out of them, to help them sing their best because it wasn't just a performance, it was leading worship. There was bound to be someone in that audience that the Spirit was going to hear a song and that was going to touch them, where it was going to lead them. Active waiting is what the Lord wants from all of us. Waiting for the Lord is a statement of mind and heart 
and it says, I'm ready to learn, I'm ready to experience, I'm ready to act as God leads. So what exactly then are we to do as we wait? One of the best things that we can do is to make a commitment to learn more and to deepen our commitment, our relationship with God. Diving into God's word personally, doing it as a community of faith, and making it part of our everyday pattern, that's vitally important. It's also important to recognize and become fluent in listening for God's voice, that unique, still, small voice that Scripture talks about. And amidst of all the other voices and distractions in our world, we can become very sensitive to hearing. In John 10, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. It was part of a story that he was telling that many times shepherds would come into a town to get supplies, get a break, and maybe they would even spend the night. They would put their sheep into a common pen among a lot of other herds of sheep. How did they know whose sheep belonged to who? Jesus said the shepherd would step up and begin speaking, and those that recognized his voice would come to him. Those that didn't would move away. And Jesus reminded us, when we hear his voice, if we're his sheep, we know it. Waiting for the Lord is also an act of obedience and trust. As God's truth becomes clear, it draws us to see ourselves uh, more clearly, genuinely. And in turn, we see how we need to change. What we need to become or what we need to quit doing. It's an experience that pays a dividend, a dividend through our obedience and trust in God. Stephen Covey tells a story from his naval experience in his best-selling book, The, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Two battleships were, uh, had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. The visibility was extremely poor with fog, and so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly before dark one evening, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported light bearing on the starboard bow. The captain replied back, Is it steady? The lookout replied, steady, Captain, which was a signal. They were in direct line for collision with that other ship. The captain then called to the signalman, send a message. We're on a collision course. Advise that you change directions 20 degrees. Back came a signal, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. Back came a signal, I'm a seaman, second class, you had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was losing it. 
he spat out. You send the message, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light message, I'm a lighthouse. The battleship changed its course 20 degrees. God's truth is like the lighthouse. It doesn't change to accommodate us. We must change in the transforming power of God's word. Because when we allow that to happen, God changes us. And it's what saves us from crashing on the rocky beaches of our own limited human knowledge and, and many times what just ends up being just a battle with human pride. What God does in us while we wait is just as important as what it is we're waiting for. Waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of developing and transforming into what God wants us to be. And this happens when we deepen the relationship and we study God's word and we act with obedience and trust. truth is that when you're waiting, it can become a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual battle. And a battle that can weaken even the strongest. And it's in that battle fatigue that we are at our most vulnerable. But listen again to what Isaiah says. It's what he reminded the Israelites, because this is our reward for our wait. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Isaiah paints the picture of an exchange, and it is the exchange of our failing strength to receive God's unfailing power. We discover a new source of power for living when we come to God and we honestly admit we can't make it on our own. And in turn, God gives us fresh strength to face, to live with and handle with confidence and courage whatever it is that has us waiting. And God's promise is that we will not only have fresh strength, but it is strength that sometimes makes us feel like an eagle in flight or a well-trained Olympic runner who can run without getting tired. I don't know about you, but there are days when I don't feel like flying. I don't feel like I can run anymore. But the word then becomes, you can continue walking without fainting. And getting tired. We live in a have-to-have-it-now culture. But there are times in our journeys with God that life doesn't happen 
in this timing away. We can trust God because God's timing is perfect. And most importantly, God loves us. Now, there actually may be times that God moves us quicker than we expect. But there will be times when we have to wait. Don't rush the wait. And don't quit. Trust God to lead you, guide you, teach you, and protect you as you wait. Let's pray. Almighty and loving God, there may be times when we don't see or feel you or our minds can't understand you. Give us the insight to recognize and experience your presence and guidance and teaching in our waiting. Keep us alert, ready, aware, and receptive to your Spirit's guidance. Forgive us of our sin and set us anew each day to serve you in love. We give you our weakness, confident that you will exchange it for your strength and endurance. May we follow you with trust and obedience. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen.